Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences and culinary journeys. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals, and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker, and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world. Culinary Chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you. I hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food. So I want to welcome um, Chef Amanda to the the show, Chef Amanda Testani. Welcome to the show. Um, You are one of our head chefs at our culinary classroom, La Dolce Culinary Classroom here in Toronto. You are an esteemed pastry chef with so many years of experience, and I'm so excited to chat to you about all of your culinary adventures in the past and present. Um, So I guess we'll just start off by you first telling everyone a little bit about who you are, uh, where you came from, and how you ended up being here today on the show. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Lisa. And like you said, my background is in arts and pastry. So I did attend George Brown for the Baking and Pastry Arts Management Program. I moved to Toronto for that program. And I was very lucky to get a job right after school. So I worked at Bobette and Bell French Patisserie for about 10 years. So I worked as a baker and then a cake decorator and then eventually became a manager. And then I managed both their locations and helped them open a second location. And in addition to that, I helped um, do food styling for their cookbook. So I learned a lot from there. And at once I feel like I gathered all those pieces, I kind of moved on and worked in some other cafes doing scones and croissants and and now I'm at La Dolce as I feel like I gathered like this knowledge everywhere throughout my career. So now I just get to pass that on through teaching at the studio, which I love. And how do you find teaching? What's the difference between being behind the scenes, like in the kitchen versus teaching? Like, what's the difference? I find I'm still definitely getting to do the pastries, which I love, but I'm getting to pass on my knowledge and my tips and tricks and see people kind of thrive within that maybe two to, you know, four hours that I'm teaching them. So I love that. I love working with people that are like excited to do, to be baking. I was just chatting to Anna Olson and she was saying when she used to teach classes, she found like from the start of her two hour class to the end, there was such a change in people. What do you find you see in like your students, you know, adults and children at the start of class versus the end? Same. Well, I, in the beginning, everyone always says, oh, I'm not a baker or I don't have experience. Like, yeah, that's why you're here. Like, that's fair. And I see them become more confident. And during that two hours, and I do see improvement in either, let's say, piping or uh, their way they, they mix. And I tell them, I say, look, that's the improvement in just two hours. Can you imagine if you just keep practice, practice, practicing? And they're they're more kind to themselves at the end of class. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I just got to yeah. practice and I just have to do it. 
I think people are always hard on themselves thinking they can't do stuff. And then, you know, taking it slowly, step by step, they can create stuff that they see, you know, in cookbooks or on TV. And, yeah. and then from you teach a lot of kids camps from the start of camp to the end of camp. What do you what do you think kids learn or how do they develop over, you know, six weeks of your Saturday camp or even your one week intensive summer camp? What's the kind of change? So. That's a great question. In the beginning, they're so like shy and timid. And I even encourage them to like use their voice in the kitchen, just even purely for safety. I say, like, I know it's hard to like raise your voice, but sometimes you have to say like hot coming through or sharp behind. And in the beginning, they're like really quiet. And then at the end, I have like these little chefs in the kitchen that are like communicating and working together. So there's like that part where I see them become like more comfortable um, using their voice and like communicating with others. And then I see how confident they are in their baking. And I always ask them like, how do you feel? Or uh, we right now we're doing like a two cake day. So one day I show them how to make a unicorn. And then on the final week, they get to make their own cake. So I've asked them, do you do you like that you did the unicorn first? And they're like, yeah, because now I know the steps and now I get to be creative. So they understand that like step one is like learning your basics. And then step two is like getting to be creative. These are kids. I'm like, just like a week's time. So I really do. I really do and like what, it. What's yeah. the perfect age, do you think, for kids to start baking? Like at home with their parents or in, in class with us? Like what's, a, what's the age you find that they're really engaged or does it change? That's a good question. I find it, it, you know, I, if they're at home, like engage them in cooking, maybe even just helping you um, measure out flour or sitting beside you to watch you so they kind of gain an interest. And that's why a lot of kids come because it's like, oh, they're interested in what I'm doing in the kitchen, but I do a lot of chopping or I'm nervous about that. So they come to the studio. I do find the perfect age to start making recipes and things like that is probably like seven to 13. So they're like more capable of mixing as opposed to just experimenting, like playing with yeah. things versus getting to be able to do the recipe. Yeah, I'd say. So growing up, tell us a bit about growing up. Did you watch your family bake or or cook? What? How did you get into food? For sure. Both my grandparents are um, immigrated to Canada. So their English is both broken and I found like I connected with them through food and on my Nona side I remember like making chamella with her or breading the fatina like something so simple as like yeah patting breadcrumbs on the eggplant or the meat and so since forever I feel like I've been in the kitchen with them and even my uncle I do remember sitting I got tired playing what she would have me do is sit beside her and watch her cook. And I loved that. I found it like, I think that's what really made me feel passionate about baking. And I find it very soothing because it was like time spent with them. So you have Italian, Portuguese, and now a Jewish family. What's the, what's the common thread of food between all three? Because I know your, your partner is Jewish background is what's the, the strong food. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's exactly it. I feel like food really brings all those cultures together because there's always an event around food, um, especially in like the Jewish culture when you're celebrating um, 
like a milestone. It centered around food, you know, like the eggs represent this and the apples represent this. So I think that's what, even though we have separate cultures, the main thing is like the food and family togetherness. So good to hear. And now tell me, you're a busy chef. You're teaching lots of classes. You're, you know, running a culinary school. How do you keep yourself nourished? And how do you, you and your partner, you both have very, you know, not traditional schedules of work. What's your kind of method for the week? Yeah, neither of us have a nine to five job. So we do really meal prep as as difficult as that can be for some people in the beginning, it makes the rest of our week easier. So we, when we're grocery shopping, we are already thinking about our dinners or what we need to bring for lunch. And then on our days off, because our days off don't overlap, if he makes one meal for our lunches and I make the second meal for our lunches, I find that's enough for us so we could actually bring uh, lunch to work and then we are already planning dinner because it's so hard to go home and be like what am I making what's in the fridge so when we have it uh, planned it, it there's less thinking involved and you know I just had this thought it's basically the mise en place of our home so right in a kitchen you weigh out everything you make sure you always have your ingredients on hand and I do think I apply that to my life because the same thing, like, uh, for example, we always have omelets. So we now make like an omelet concentrated mix with like the veggies we want. So this way, when we want an omelet, we already have like all the veggies cooked and we just put them in the pan and then add the eggs. So I really apply the mise en place to my life. That's amazing. And do you freeze those or do you just have those in the fridge? We know I just make the like veggie mix, so, like the onions and all the yeah. veggies we want. And I'll make a big Tupperware and put that in the fridge. And then that's our cooked veggies for our omelets in the morning. That's so good. And when you're going to the grocery store, are you writing stuff in a notepad? Or do you just kind of say, oh, let's do that on Thursday? Or do you say like Monday to Friday, we're going to. You know, we have we have an ongoing, almost like a checklist, like a standard thing of things we always get. And then before he goes to the grocery store, we're like checking our cupboards. Like, yes, we need that. No, we don't need that. So it's a standard checklist we have and we check off the stuff that we need. I love that. That's so organized. I love that. Instead of being like, what's in my fridge tonight? What can we do? And then. And it's so hard to start. But then like, yeah, I realized like these are the foods we eat, which is always have this checklist going because there are moments where like, otherwise I always forget something at the grocery store. If yeah. I didn't have that. Well, whenever I have a lemon, I don't use it. Whenever I need a lemon, I don't have one. So it's kind of like, yeah, my mom's like, you should always have a lemon in the fridge. I'm like, I do. But then they're like moldy and I've not used it. And then when I need one, like last night, I don't have a lemon. <laughs> and I haven't said sometimes too. It's like it becomes ornamental. It's like rock hard. <laughs> can't use this. You can put in a fruit bowl for decoration. Yeah. So like next time buy one, not two, Amanda. So as a pastry chef, what's your favorite thing to make? Like what brings you the most joy in terms of like pastry or cake? Currently, I think it changes, but at home, I would say I love making a cookie because you can have fun with your uh, flavors or I make a lot of compost cookies, like what's in my cupboard. And I always have a cookie in my home and I find it relaxing. Whereas at work, it's hard to pick. I, I 
love both. I love breads. So, like I have a passion for that side. And then I also have a passion for like decorating and cake. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to choose. And you had some amazing cake clients. Tell us about like maybe one of your craziest cakes you made and who it was for. Mm-hmm. That's so tricky. But I will say, I'll, so when I worked at Baba and Bell, we had a contract with the ACC. So we always made cakes for like concerts. So they would have it in their like green room. So that was oh. really cool that I got to do that. Um, so we've done cakes for like Motley Crue and Drake. A lot of singers like that was really cool. We almost did one for Adele and then that one didn't go through we were going to do like the telephone because it was hello, her single hello. But then they decided, no, we're not going to get her a cake. I was like, the one I wanted. But a lot of the ones have done. Amazing. Uh huh. That was a cool experience because like every week or every two weeks, we'd be like, what like, cake are we doing now? Yeah. For- you could look at all the concerts coming up and be like, oh, I have an idea for that. So would they give you creative license or would they say, we want a phone because of Adele or would they say do whatever? They would use it. They would give us creative license and they just had like a general budget in mind. So we would do what we could within that, that budget. So fun. so that, that also made it fun because it really truly was our design. Yeah. And I think the stifling part about being an artist and in the cake world and I guess in art, when you're commissioned to do something, it's... You know, when I, what I would always say to customers when they wanted a giant custom cake, I was like, can you just let us do it? Like, let us be creative because people like you have such a creative brain and a client would say like, oh, I'm a pharmaceutical. I want like, you know, a tube of the medicine on top. I'm like, eh. let us come up with something that, you know, represents you and makes it fun and fantastical. So, yeah, that's, that's totally fun, agree. Fun part of the job. And now you love to cook for your friends what's your kind of go-to when you invite your friends over for a party if i invite my friends over for a party it depends if it's my girlfriend we like carbs 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 so usually make a pasta and then we usually like a dessert and the reason i like pasta is because we make it from scratch so if we're making the filling we're making the pasta we're having wine and anytime I teach the pasta class here at La Dolce, I always say like, this is a great thing you can do with your kids or with your girlfriend because yeah. it's socially at your cookie. Um, and then if I'm cooking for like with my partner and like another couple or another, or we're cooking for another family member, we usually always make a fish dish, which I love. I love, love, love fish. So I always do like some type of marinated fish and then always rice with a green. So we always have like, if I'm cooking with my partner, Aaron, there's always a grain, a green and a protein. Nice. And like fish in the oven or fish on the pan? I find I love it in the pan when it's two people. But when it's bigger, I always do it in the oven. Even if the recipe says to do it in, in the pan, I do it in the oven. You're such a rebel, Amanda. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. You should follow a recipe as a chef, but. Well, no, I think you can have leeway in like non-baking, like savory, yes, sweet. Sometimes you can't really. I think if you understand what's happening, I was like, oh, I need to sear this fish. Okay, I'm going to do high heat in the oven. So I like sear it or maybe I'll broil it. So like I tried to think that way. And I'm like, how can I do this in a large batch? So I do play with recipes that way. And now when you're prepping in the kitchen, I've, I've heard, overheard you listening to an interesting podcast. 
um, which yeah, has some interesting the- guests and topics. And um, I know we talked about this before, but tell us about this podcast and any of the food related ones that we should listen to. I think there was one maybe about mushrooms or yeah, tell me. I listened to the science podcast called Ology. And it's like all different topics from like food related to soil to animals. And I just really like it because I'm learning as I'm working along. And sometimes me for music, it feels too like stimulating. Like if it's like high energy or low energy, I like really feed off of that. So just like the same like speaking tone, it is really helpful to me. So I I, if you're if I'm in the kitchen, I'm usually working in silence or listening to an ologies podcast. It's one or the other. So the ones that I would recommend, and I really like this one on beef, and I didn't think sometimes the topic doesn't sound interesting. And then when I listen to it, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's about like togetherness and why feasts are special, mainly because they bring people together and communities together. So I would really recommend that one. This one on native cooking. And there's one on foraging for like, what do we have access to in our neighborhoods and about plants yeah, and mushrooms. And I've learned a lot from that. Um, And I actually recently made a black walnut extract that I use in place of vanilla because I gathered black walnuts from my neighborhood and I made it myself. Yeah. How do you make them? Tell us, how do you make that? So you gather black walnut, which are native to North America. So we can have, we, they, we have access to them in Ontario. So I just walked through my neighborhood. I learned how to identify a tree through like the bark and the leaves. And you have to find these green walnuts before all the squirrels do. So I, I gather. They're green on the outside? Yeah. So they're not ripe yet. It's like the green pod and the walnut isn't ripe okay. on the inside yet. Do so you collect it then? And I didn't over collect. I'd maybe grab two from one tree, two from another tree. Like it was a little adventure. And then once I gathered all my walnuts, you cut them open. You put them in a jar with vodka, like one-to-one vodka and sugar. And then you let it sit for 30 days. And then you take the walnuts out and you age the mixture for a year. So. I, wow. I, uh-huh. But it is worth it. It is worth it. So I'm using it now in my baking. And whenever I do, everyone's like, what is it? It tastes so good. I'm like, secret ingredient. So you did that last year. <laughs> wow. So what does it look like? What's the texture when you take it out, like after 30 days? It it turns black right away because the black walnuts really make the mixture, like right. stain it black. So I would say it looks exactly like vanilla. It smells more delicious and vanilla um but it looks just like a black liquid and in italy they drink it as an aperitif so you could make an alcohol and just and drink it oh my gosh i love that idea there's a woman in our neighborhood near the studio and she does she dyes fabrics and she's an artist and she makes all her dyes out of um you know pomegranate bark walnut i did one of her workshops um like fruits and vegetables, skins and peels. And it's beautiful, yeah. like the colors of the dyes. Oh, That's actually, so cool. Gonna, we should swap some walnut scarves, yeah. dyed scarves for walnut. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. 
And then what's your kind of favorite food? I know you you love everything, but what's your kind of food ritual or what's your your go-to? If I, for food, for, I really do love tofu. So, because I feel like you could marinate it and you could like manipulate it in so many ways. So lately I make a peanut butter tofu that I probably have once a week. We always have it once a week. It's that uh-huh. good. How do you make that? Because I never know what to do with tofu. I just kind of throw it in something and I hope for the best. But how do you make I, it crispy? That's that's how do, that's the secret I want to know. So you can either use like a tofu press and really press out the water and then you can get it crispy that way. But I like to, I squeeze as much as I can. I don't have a tofu press. I always cube it and toss it in corn starch. And then I do like a a shallow fry and I get it all golden brown because the cornstarch is going to make it crispy and like the shallow fry is going to like pull out the moisture. And I find that's my favorite personally. That's my favorite way to do it. That's what I don't use. And it's always just like kind of soft. But do you just press it with with your hand or do you? I'll press it with my hand or like in between a towel or sometimes I'll put a book or two on top. But Again, if you're doing the cornstarch, you don't need to be that concerned with like pulling out the moisture, but that's always my base. And then I marinate it however I want to marinate it after that. I'm going to try that because I have three blocks of tofu in my fridge and I bought sriracha, which has been out of stock forever. Yeah. So there's a new brand and I'm going to try and make a crispy tofu sriracha cubes, which I had on a salad last summer and I've been dying to have it ever since because it was so tasty and crispy and all right um you love to cook your chef what's kind of your your dream dinner party like who would you invite and what would you make my dream dinner party would be pretty simple in my opinion and that I would really just want my family together right now. And I have like family in Portugal and Italy and in New Jersey. My sister lives in New Jersey. My parents live in Leamington. Like to get us all together would be a dream. And I think I would make things of my culture. So definitely like a pasta dish. Again, I would love to make like pasta by hand. And then I would have a fish. Perfect. Easy. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm laughing because I I was just talking about like, oh, I always make fish for my friends or I always make pasta. And it's just clicking that I'm like, those are very Italian and Portuguese. And I don't even realize it. <laughs> but that's you. That's who you are. So that's, that's good. me. That's, that's, your es- that's your essence. Your true essence yeah. is just coming out. <laughs> Do you find anything exciting in the food world right now? Like any food trends or any female chefs or people doing cool stuff right now? Yeah, I would say... Cake and the thing with food that sometimes people don't see is that there are trends in food, just like there are trends in fashion. And right now, I find food trends are very aesthetically, I'll say, in the moment. And what I'll say about that is they're not overly played with, as opposed to, I'd say, a couple years ago or when I was really doing cakes, there'd be a lot of fondant work, a lot of sugar flowers. And now people are more so doing buttercream cake with fresh florals or like how I know at one point we were teaching a naked cake because it's very in the moment. It's it's a simple, basic mask. And the star is the cake layers and the flowers. And I find that's a very popular trend right now. And I love it. 
I love it. Um, so there's that. And I'll also add to that the other trendy thing is a lambic cake, which is oh, a yeah. very traditional style of, and when I say traditional, I mean foundational. That's what I should say, style of piping. And I think that's, uh, in my opinion, it was always trendy because I find it, you always needed that skill, but it's really a star right now. And there's someone, I think in Toronto, her name is like Crybaby Cake, like, She's very popular and she just says land this or in the moment cakes like I'm, I was mentioning. So it's I see a lot of that on my Instagram or for you page. My, my phone knows me for sure. And what I think there was a TV show that brought that about. Was it Bridgerton or what was? Oh, when did yes, that yes. become resurrected? Because that was such an old traditional British wedding cake. I think it was even traditional in the 70s. I think my mom's cake had like Lambeth. So what yeah. do you think brought that back? You could be right. It could be all of these these shows that are now popular, like Bridgerton or Downtown Abbey. It's very, maybe it feels like a, a different time. And I think that's like represented in a cake. And so people yeah. like that. Yeah. I think you're so right. So what kind of cake, that. what kind of cake would you make for your wedding or your and best friend's it, wedding? Or Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really do love the buttercream cakes and I would definitely have some type of piping technique. Like it would definitely be a lambeth or it would definitely be um, some type of fun piping on there with fresh florals. And all the past cakes I have done for my friend's weddings actually have been either or. And what flavor would you want? Because what's your favorite flavor? Okay, my favorite flavor, Lisa. I never really see it, but my favorite flavor is a chocolate carrot cake with cream cheese frosting. Chocolate carrot cake? Yeah. I and, don't think I've know, this, ever had that. A lot of people hadn't. And, you know, this was a thing of the past because people would use carrots as a sweetener because sugar was very expensive. So that's where it started. That's why we started putting carrots in cake because it's sweet. Um. But I discovered this recipe by this chef. I really, I really enjoy her recipes. Her name is Jeffy Sheehan, and she's a recipe developer. And I discovered this recipe from her. And whenever I make it for people, they don't even know there's uh, carrots in it. It's just so moist and so delicious. So chocolate carrot cake with cream cheese. Cream cheese icing, you can't go wrong. And do you add nuts uh, in there? <laughs> no nuts? No nuts. Um, but you're right, I think it's the cream cheese. Like, if there was no cream cheese on it, I wouldn't want it. Are you looking for a unique way to connect and entertain your team? Join us in Toronto or virtually and let us host the most fun events for your team with food. Great for teams of any size, La Dolce Culinary Classroom Studio in Toronto offers different packages to suit every event organizer's needs. Have your team make gnocchi pasta from scratch and then enjoy it with a glass of wine. Or try our wine and chocolate tasting series where you'll have your very own sommelier guiding you through several wines and yummy chocolates to discover the aroma, taste, and finish of each one. Or how about getting your teams to be cake boss for a day? They will design and build a cake and win prizes on their creativity, height, and style. Of course, eating buttercream mistakes is all part of the fun. Great for client entertaining, sales meetings, conferences, and more. 
And if you're interested in learning more, drop an email to events at ladolce.com and they will organize something fantastic for you. Okay. So what's on your counter at home right now? What have you made this week? Um, This week I made, um, it was like an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. And I used like leftover candy bars and things like that from Halloween. And then I also was test cooking. Sometimes when you do recipes for the kids camp, I'll like test it at home. So it's really a recipe I want to try. And I did like an Oreo cake that has like a, an Oreo cheesecake that has a pretzel crust. And that was, is really good. So you are always baking, like you're wet work baking and then you go home and you bake. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I just me because I'm like, I love to be around food and making food. And then when I come home, I'm like, oh, why don't I make like pizza till midnight? Because, you know, I just. Right. Like this... you have the thought in your head and then you're like, I'm going to do it. But I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I need to do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you, yes, you're a true chef. And tell me, like, what did you notice? Because you moved to Toronto from a small town called Leamington what was the difference like when you moved from Leamington to Toronto what did you notice as like a big change like in the food scene you were you were in culinary school you were a young <laughs> student what's the change since from now till then in Toronto I would say it really opened my mind with like different types of cuisine and there's just I think course I feel so lucky to live in Toronto because there's such good food and like all types of of cultures so you can get like great Thai food you could say get great Ethiopian or Italian and you you just can't get that in a small town honestly because I feel like it comes from the culture of like mom and pop shop starting and opening up and you just have more culture in Toronto than you you do in a small town and so I, I really opened me up to a, a lot of that and like seeing food and, and flavors in a different way. So if you were to bring your friends to town, well, where would you take them on a typical weekend to eat? What would okay. you, oh, you got a food tour. Okay. I you do have a your food head. tour. <laughs> and, I, and I always think like, what are they going to like? So I usually always bring them to like do G-U-U. It's like a, like a Japanese uh, style bar where it's like small plates and you walk in and like, like they greet you. It's small plates. It's cheap and cheerful, but delicious food. And it's such an experience for them. And they have a room there where you take off your shoes and you sit underneath. We, we always take our family that visits from Italy there because it's such a different atmosphere. It's so much fun. Right. And so that I find is always like a great experience. And that, that's definitely on the top of the list. And then I see how the person is. And then I'll pick like another place based on that. Like maybe I like this place, like a hot pot. I find that's always delicious. Like a pot of like bubbling, bubbling soup is nice. There's a place I like. It's called Buck Chang Dun Soon Tofu. And I usually take everyone there now that I think about it. I'll get Buk like that. Dun Soon Tofu. Say that again. Okay. Where's that? It's on Bloor. It's by um, in Bloor Korea and Bathurst. Okay. Yeah, in Koreatown. Okay. Is it on the corner? Is it orange? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've been. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's the place that I always go for 
Bim bim bop. I don't know if I'm saying. Yeah. It right. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. So they're funny. so nice and they're so busy and like that area is really just fun and lively. So I do like yeah. that neighborhood if I'm bringing someone from out of town as well. And there's so many amazing gift shops and like corner okay. stores and like clothing and gift. Like, yeah, it's such a fun area. And then there's karaoke after if you've had a few drinks. You can... Exactly. Yeah. You oh know the gosh, vibe. You know the vibe. And I dated a guy who had his photo on the wall because he had one of the hottest soups there. Uh, That's why how I found it. He's like, we got to go here. This is my place. So I was like, why? He's like, look at my picture on the wall. I'm like, okay. That's... <laughs> um, okay. So... As a teacher, what do you find, you know, I ask a lot of people that have worked at, at the culinary school, the Dolce Culinary School, what's the best, the worst, and the funniest in your, your career so far? Yeah. Um, I have a lot, but... Um, <laughs> you could do more than it, one. <laughs> and in the moment, I was like, this is funny. I need to tell someone. But then another funny thing happens after, and I, and I don't. But... Um, so I'll start with the worst, and I would say this only happened once. So I was doing a buttercream class, and it was in the middle of the winter, and I came in, and the studio was really cold, and I was fairly new to the studio. I didn't know how to work the nest, and the buttercream kept, like, getting too cold to pipe, so we would have to stop and put it in the microwave, and... I felt like I was running around during the class, but it was a great learning opportunity for the students because I was like, this is what you do if it happened at home. Like, your buttercream gets cold. Like, anytime something happens, I'm always like, it is a great experience because you would know what to do. And so now I tell everyone, like every new teacher, like, this is how you work the nest. Make sure this is the temperature when you're doing buttercream because you don't want cold buttercream. So I'm like very aware of like the temperature of the room and how it affects the the buttercream and all other things in the class. So yeah, that had to happen once for me to not always be aware of it. Did you get um, out the torch? I remember that happened to me once that we had to get out the blow torch to like warm up the pot and we were using our arms. We're like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. Yes. At that time, there was no torch. I just kept using the microwave. But oh exactly, like, you know, you have to just apply heat somehow. <laughs> um, so that was the worst. The best? I don't know. I have so many moments. I would just say, honestly, from class to class, seeing how people become so confident in that short amount of time, it, it truly brings me so much joy. Like when I see they're excited or I, I see their improvement, especially in something hard like a macaroon class. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I did it. I made a macaroon. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, just, and I have so much joy for them. And then the funniest? And funniest. Yeah. <laughs> I have a funny thing. Oh. So we had Alicia and Eliane working with us this summer. And we have a television where we, you know, have Netflix. And, that, and all the Netflix channels were like, Bollywood movies, Bollywood movies, Bollywood movies. <laughs> Recommended for you. And I was like. Alicia's been here. <laughs> All the recommended shows. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Julian was there, right? All the kids' shows, yeah. Yes. Um, that's funny. I, I will say one, which I don't know if you could put on the, on the podcast, but I will. I will say it. So it was a lawyer uh, firm, and they were, like, very funny, like, very bubbly. Um, it was a great class. We were doing a grand cake challenge. So they make their cake 
based on a theme, and then they have to present it at the end. So I always have them do a team name and presentation. So the theme was just uh, things from the office. So one group made like little inside jokes. That's what their cake was. The other group made like a water themed cake because they all liked water activities. And when they did their presentation, they, the one group had a pink cake. So they said, you know, our cake represents feminism. So if you don't like, if we, you don't pick us as a winner, you're a sexist. And like has like a jokey way. And then the other group said that their cake was uh, under the sea theme and it was kind of homage to like the Little Mermaid right now. And the original writer of the Little Mermaid was a gay man. So if I didn't pick them as a winner, then I was a homophobe. And I was like, oh, so I guess just I get to pick between being like a sexist in the world. <laughs> I was like, but we, they were all like laughing when they said it. And I knew it was like a joke. You're like, I, like, I need a legal representative representation yeah, here. Like, these are two think they're lawyers talking to me. But I was like, do I have to pick a winner? But it was just all in, it was all in fun. Uh, That's so funny. And I object. And we were all <laughs> laughing so hard. And because like people really want, like they're very competitive. And I was like, I don't know who to pick. I was like, what are you guys both did great. Besides the presentation that you said, yeah. That's so funny because when I taught those, we did one with one of the women's hospitals in Toronto, and it was the OBGYN department. And they created a vagina with a crowning baby. And it was quite true to life. And I I think, like, you can envision it, like, hair and... Colors and fleshy colors and the baby's hair. And I just was like, I was dying. And it just made me so happy. But they were so, that's such a great experience. And they were laughing their heads off. And it was so hard to judge it because I think the neighboring ones did like a pregnant woman. And they, they, they mimicked someone who was actually pregnant, but like down to the T with her glasses and and I just love those kind of team events because people are so creative. And you said, like you said, they walk in, they're like, we're not creative. And then they make like a crowning baby. You're like, what? <laughs> Out <Yeah>. of cake. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. a lot of pharmaceutical companies and one in particular who did something, I guess, similar to Viagra, as you can imagine, did some very creative uh, representations with cake. So I think. Yeah. Those are probably the funniest parts of the job. So, okay. yeah. You're Thank right. you to all of our amazing customers who make us laugh and make us cringe okay. and make us <laughs> turn around in the teeth. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So if you are, if anyone's listening out there and you want to invite them to a class that you teach, what would be your, you know, recommendation or what should they sign up for first, second, third? I'm going to mention some levels if that's okay. So I would say if you want to come for fun with, let's say, your partner for a date night or with your girlfriend, I would recommend like a fun activity like our donut class where you uh, cut out the donuts, you fry them, you decorate them. So it's really fun and interactive. It's very social. Or our pasta making class where you like make a gnocchi. You and then we cook it all together in a sauce, and you get to have your gnocchi at the end with wine and uh, pasta and breadsticks and salad. So if you're if you're coming for like a social thing or a date, I would recommend like classes like that. If you're coming to improve your skill, 
and you want to really hone in on your baking or your cake decorating, we have a lot of levels of cake decorating now, which I'm really proud of. So we have like an introduction to cake where you learn your foundation skills and your basics of piping. We have seasonal cake decorating. So like right now we have Winter Wonderland. And then we have more intermediate uh, decorating. So buttercream flour cake. And then we have also a five-day like cake decorating course. So if you are interested in cakes and things, we have like so many levels that would apply to where you are right now. Um, so that's what I would say, definitely. I love that. And I, can you elaborate on the five-day cake decorating course? Because that's something new. And yeah, I'm super proud okay. that we're doing that and you've been hosting that. And the feedback has been amazing. What can people expect of that? And what will they learn over the five days? Who is that good for? Because we've had such a variety of people taking that course that it'd be interesting to see, like, we've had some people that are retired and some people that are businesses. So just maybe elaborate on the five-day class for everyone listening. Yeah, if you're definitely interested in cake decorating, but you, you know, there's so much content out there. You don't know what to listen to and you want to just, like, come in and apply. This is a great course. So it's all week. It's five hours every day. You take a break in between. So you're on the first day, you're actually making your cake. So we're talking about baking, we're talking about recipe development, we're talking about ingredients. And then we also talk about different types of buttercream. So you make a buttercream on the first day. And then as the days go on, you're like building your skill. So we talk about cake suppliers and where to source your ingredients. And then you create a rainbow cake. You make like rainbow layers. You do a rainbow cake on day two. On day three, we're talking about buttercream flowers and piping tips. So you learn about different piping tips and then different types of buttercream flowers. On the fourth day, what do we do fondant? So we talk about fondant and gum paste. And then on the fifth day, you're doing a two-tiered cake. So you're kind of applying your masking. We're talking about stacking a cake and you're doing more piping. So each day you're building on your skills. And really it's I say practice, practice, practice makes better. And from day one to like the last day, like usually on the last day is like very fun and very social. And I usually do a demonstration at the beginning of every class. And on the last day, I say, do you need me to do a demonstration? And they're like, no, we got it. Like they already, they know how to fill and mask a cake. That's awesome. Um, And you get like this community to talk to because you're there for five days, but you get to like, talk to like-minded individuals and kind of bounce ideas off each other and talk about cake because I'm sure sometimes at home like I talk to my partner all the time about cake but he's not as passionate as I am he's probably like not listening he's like yeah 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 (laughs) sure 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 (laughs) yeah so what kind of people have signed up because I've I've met so many amazing people in those courses what's there's like age range or demographic what's the huge age range like you said we have a a lot of people that are retired and they just want to build their skill or learn something new we have a lot of new moms who are their hope is that they'll get to make their celebration cakes for their loved ones so they're there for the purpose of like baking for their family which i love and then we have a lot of people that are maybe starting with their career or they're interested in cakes but they need to learn more so maybe they practice all their piping at home or they just do cupcakes i find people like to start with cupcakes because it's a uh you know a smaller the starter drug 
Yeah, it's a starter <laughs> draw, doesn't it? A smaller <laughs> canvas. It feels like a, yeah, a good starter drug. And then they come because they just want to learn more. They don't know how to graduate from cupcake to actually napkin a cake. Um, and a lot of people, honestly, thank you to the baking shows. Like we needed them long oh, yeah. ago that people have like an interest in that. And then they come because again, they want to learn more. So we, yeah, we have the people that are like interested and want to learn more, maybe change careers. We have people that just want to cook for their loved ones. And then we have people that are just doing something for themselves because they're older and they want to learn a new skill. So it's great. It's great. We have every, all Amazing. ages. Amazing. And if you have any tips for any, any aspiring or budding bakers, what would they be? My tip is always the same because it's so true. It's really just practice, practice, practice makes better. And, and when people are hard on themselves, I say, a lot of people will compare themselves to maybe my work. And I say, yes, but I've done this for 10 years. So if you were like this great, this fast, I would be a little insulted. Um, so really, it's getting that practice in. And you're going to build up your muscle memory. You're going to build up your skill. And you're going to become more confident. So, you know, whether it's just like continuing to practice your piping at home or just making buttercream so you can pipe on a, a, a tray versus a cake. It, it's all about that practice. And yet, me, even me being in the industry for so long, I always still want to learn and practice my skills because you could always learn, learn a new skill, learn a new technique. And I wanted to, you know, give you all the praise and thanks because you are teaching a whole generation of kids in the city and adults how to, how to learn, how to be methodical in the kitchen, how to be patient with themselves, how to be kind. And I think, you know, the feedback from all of our guests and our customers and all our campers is, you know, they love Chef Amanda. They love the way you teach, the way you bring happiness to their families, the way you send home all these amazing goods. So I did want to give you a big thank you, like a public thank you. I mean, I thank you, I think, almost every time I see you and you are teaching my little guy how to how to bake and decorate because everything he makes at home, he's like, oh, Chef Amanda taught me. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> So you're his like a uh, spiritual guide here for baking. Um, yeah. And I'm so happy to have had this chance to interview you because I know we're always talking about work and, and fun and classes and stuff like that. So okay. thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule and people will see more of you, I guess, in person and online in our six week class so they can take a class from anywhere in the world. Um and then 2023, we have lots of fun stuff planned. So we will be, you know, working on some exciting stuff. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you for taking time out to chat. And if you had any parting words, let us know. Oh, there's my little guy. Um, yeah, and I want to say thank you for letting me, like, be me and be my creative self. Um, like, we have a lot more cake classes than we have in the past because that's my specialty. So I do love what i do and i love that you give me the like creative freedom to do that yes and... and we are come up with any ideas for the next year we'd love to have more of you cake and all of your fancy stuff and more advanced stuff because people keep asking where's the more advanced stuff i'm like we're just you know we can't we can't move that fast but we will so okay um we will see you in class and um have a great afternoon are you going to be baking anything today maybe <laughs> I was like, it is a great thing for me. I find it relaxing. I'm like, maybe I will be baking today. 
I think we're going to make a galette, an apple galette tonight because we chatted with Anna Olsen and she's like, it's so easy. I'm like, I know. I have all the puff pastry in my freezer and I need to do something yeah. with it. So hey, Julian's I nodding his head. Like, yeah, Julian's like, yes, we're going to make an apple galette tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, give, give Amanda a big wave goodbye. Bye. And I want to say, uh, Julian, since I have you, thank you for the gifts and the earrings. I love them so much. I'm going to be... I know we're not supposed to wear earrings to class, but I think I'm going to wear them for the holiday. Right? I was going to say, in your Christmas classes, you can wear them. Yeah. Just don't tell Dandy. <laughs> okay, have a great afternoon, Amanda, and we'll speak soon. Okay. I'll speak See you soon. in class. Okay. See you in class. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolching.com and for more behind the scenes follow me on instagram at lisa sanguidolce